Hello and welcome to the Raw Fork Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Marina Buxov, and I'm a functional medicine pharmacist in New York, as well as an integrative health coach and clinical herbalist. I'm pleased to go into season three of this podcast and continue to bring on other holistic-minded pharmacists and healthcare professionals to the show. I'm constantly inspired by my guests and their stories and love sharing their points of view with you all. Please enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. So happy you're back for another episode of the Raw Fork Podcast. Today, I'm bringing on a very special guest who's even more out of the box than who I usually interview on the show. I'm super excited to introduce you to Carrie Hummingbird, a soul guide. Carrie inspires people to lead their lives wide awake with an authenticity, passion, and purpose that positively impacts others. She catalyzes mind shifts that transform life challenges into gifts of wisdom with her Reinvent Yourself programs for individual and group mentoring. She's the international best-selling author of The Second Wave, Transcending the Human Drama, and the award-winning best-selling book, Awakening to Me, One Woman's Journey to Self-Love, which describes the early years of her spiritual awakening. She has served as a social activist, leader, philanthropist for over three decades. She is the founder of the Skills Not Pills movement and host of Soul Nectar Show. Welcome to the show. Hi, and welcome to the Raw Fork Podcast. I have a very special guest and treat with me today. Um, her name is uh, Her- Carrie Hummingbird, and she's a soul guide and author. So welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, so I'm kind of uh, sometimes throwing in things into the mix other than pharmacists. So I had a doctor on the show a couple of episodes ago. And so I'm excited to hear about your journey and what it has to do with health and wellness. Yeah, well, um, so I think that the interesting thing about my journey is that um, I've become very passionate about alternative healing through my journey. And uh, it was my journey that opened me up to understand that uh, there was more than one way to go about healing. And that, that the way that I found was actually outside of Western medical uh, recommended practices. So that's not to say that people couldn't find healing in Western medical, but just to encourage people that there are solutions outside of that paradigm. And so we have to get really curious and be our own, you know, health investigator. So, um, you know, and, and claim ownership of it, too. So my story is that I spent a good part of my life in weekly psychotherapy sessions, um, just trying to deal with a lot of emotional energy that I had, a lot of feelings I had, and to, um, you know, to really understand myself and why I was having problems in relationships. And, you know, it was so difficult to be in relationships and difficult to deal with my job. I was grinding my teeth at night, you know, as a young person, I was just, I just had a lot of issues. And from the time I was really 15, I was in some kind of form of mental health, something to help me out. So, um, so when, what happened was, is that all of those like weekly psychotherapy sessions, they were helping me somewhat to start navigating my psychology, like navigating the thought tunnels that my brain would go down by default and then the way that my emotions would kind of go along with that. And so it helped me in somewhat in awareness, but it didn't really give me a solution for how to change it. It just kind of said, well, you just, you know, started thinking different. Well, it didn't work for me. I would just have, you know, I would just go every week and it'd be the same stuff. And I would make little incremental improvements, but they weren't like really big improvements, right? Yeah. So that's frustrating. I think for a lot of people have that sense of like things just aren't shifting. You know, it's like I'm going, I'm doing this work, but it's heavy and I'm slogging through it and it's just not, it's not changing. So, um, so that went on for me for a couple decades. <laughs> I'm very determined. You know? So um, what happened was finally things just sort of broke apart. They just spiraled down. Things were getting worse. Like I was getting more worse diagnoses. Um, more pressure happened on me because I had children. So I had all of that pressure. And then when my children were born, um, I really had a really deep um, 
remembrance or emotions surfacing, trauma surfacing from my own early childhood. I had a very tumultuous childhood, zero to five. And so a lot of that emotion and all that stuff was coming up for me. And, um, you know, and so that's when I started going on the drugs, the, um, you know, the anti-feeling pills that Mm -hmm. are recommended for you when you are in a depression or postpartum. That helped, but then it wasn't the solution. So I was on those for like 13 years. Wow. And it didn't solve anything. Like I still was in the same relationship. Then I was drinking a lot of wine and I was like just, you know, numbing, numbing, numbing out, right? And then taking the pills and nothing, you know, we would go on vacations to feel good, you know, so it'd be like the, it up the ante, like feeling good, like the ante just kept getting upped on how to feel good. Mm-hmm. But none of the problems were really getting resolved, even though I was still going to weekly psychotherapy and I'm taking my pills and I'm all the stuff. So if I, that just broke. Basically, it just it just came, came down to, I, I don't really want to live. Like, and I knew that if I didn't want to live, I knew if I stayed that there too long because I had had suicidal ideation for a good part of my life, that if I stayed in that place, that dark, depressed state too long, I might do it. So, and I was having nightmares and things like that. So I was like, okay, I have to leave this. I have to get out. I have to try something totally different. So I left the relationship which I felt instant relief, you know, 20 years of a relationship, we're having to work at it like all the time like that. And psychotherapy is just, that's a lot of pressure. So I walked out of that. I got my own place. I started feeling better. And it almost immediately I got tuned into um, yoga and then I got tuned into um, basically a path of healing that's called shamanic healing, which is spiritual healing. And I had my first spiritual healing. And in 45 minutes, I felt lighter. I felt freer. I felt like, wow, I'm feeling so much better now. You know, like 45 minutes. It didn't fix it, but it it alleviated something. Like, and then what I noticed is not only did it alleviate something, but it also started, you know, shifting. It created like a little space for me to actually get momentum and traction. using my mental processes that I got from psychotherapy. Yeah. Yeah, I totally hear you. So uh, I want to backtrack a little bit. And thank you. Yeah, that was a lot to share all at once. Thank you so much for uh, being so vulnerable and open and sharing your story, um, you know, and from your struggles from an early age and uh, depression and a lot of mental health issues. So I want to comment on the fact that, yes, especially Western medicine and especially in this country, I think – we don't really honor anything other than the scientific clinical, um, you know, numbers. So we, we have all this clinical data and then like we, we honor that and we believe in that and we practice that, but we don't honor some of the data from traditional medicine that people have been passing down through oral tradition, maybe not so much written tradition. And other countries, I would have to say, they are a little more inclusive. So I think we're actually the exception where, you know, like you said, there's a pill for every ill. I think we spoke earlier about this. And so our country has these pills as the solutions. But like you mentioned, they don't really get to the root cause of the problem. They just usually are a Band-Aid for your symptoms. But the problem is we don't know why your symptoms are coming up. And I think mental health, It's um, that's why I think you've for being vulnerable because mental health is kind of a shameful topic for a lot of people. A lot of people are on the spectrum of having some kind of mental health disorder, but they feel like it's shameful or they don't really want to talk about it or they don't express it. But the fact is all of us are in a spectrum. There's like really not so many people that can say they're normal because normal is, you know, a very broad concept. So all of us have these emotions and this mental capacity to deal with emotions and stress. And a lot of us do have trouble with it. And so I think there's no shame in admitting that and getting help for that. Yeah, thank you for saying that. And, you know, on my journey of healing, it's really, even through the, um, the experience of doing energy healing, you know, we're still, we're still working with our wounds. We're still working with our wounds. And I just got such a blatant example of that just now, right before this call. It was just so shocking to me because I've gotten to this place in my healing process where, you know, I feel really um, confident in myself and I feel like I love a lot of, like most of myself, right? Like I'm in that process of loving all of me, even the journey I took that I tell you about, like I really 
have worked to love those aspects of me, the, the little child that went through what she went through, the teenager that went through what she went through, the woman who, you know, destroyed her marriage basically through all of these, these influences of pain and just really feeling all that and loving that and having compassion for myself. And I had gotten to this such a great space where I felt like, wow, you like, you know, I'm proud of myself. Like I did such a great job. I, I really healed, you know, and then I, uh, you know, am I like, like reaching out to you and finding your podcast? It's like every person I reach out to is like, oh, I want to, I want to have you on my show. I want to talk to you. I want to share your message. I want to, you know, I want to hear all this. And I actually would just had an interaction with somebody who is like spiritually superior to me, you know, like yeah. I'm not good enough. And I thought, wow, this is, you know, this is humanity. Like, I feel like People with mental health challenges, it's like you can feel so much like the world is just shaming you or putting you into a box or saying you're not good enough. Mm -hmm. And you can do that to yourself too. And I, for a while I thought my journey was to get rid of that part of me or somehow heal it so that, that that's no longer part of my conversation. Mm -hmm. And what I just experienced, like literally moments before this interview has woken my eyes up to go, no, there's nothing shameful at all in this human experience. It's actually the most human thing you could possibly be is to feel grief at the state of the world today, is to feel depressed because of how things are out there, is to feel afraid because of how things look and feel out in the world. And, and then to be courageous enough to bring yourself through all of that, to find a tool and a solution to bring yourself peace in the middle of all of that. That's courage. And, you know, I think that our, our psychotherapy modalities in Western medicine are doing their best. And I really truly believe that it's important to keep pushing the boundaries on what we think is going to be a solution and not, and leave it up to people's personal experiences and really honor their journeys and what works for them. What works for you might not work for me. What worked for me may not work for people out there listening. But I found some healing in this space. I found healing in spirituality. I found healing in being able to bring myself back into my, you know, elevate out of this mess to feel better for a while and then come back in and really embrace it with open arms as part of my journey. Wow. Yeah. I love how you refer to finding healing by providing the space in which to do that, because I think that's exactly what journaling, meditation, and even probably the shamanic work gives us is that space and that framework from which we can kind of look at the big picture and connect with something greater than us and practice spirituality and get all our thoughts out either by, you know, imagining that they're, they're leaving our head or by writing them down or singing a song or dancing or in whichever way feels good for you. And it's nice when it's facilitated by somebody, but it's also uh, accessible to everybody because everybody could become their own healer. And everybody it, is their own healer. That's <laughs> the truth. Yeah. Everybody is their own healer. It isn't somebody out there that does it better than you. You know, I just want to say that it's like, you might be stuck in this moment. You might be stuck in this moment with a big puzzle of a health challenge or a mental health challenge and go, I don't know how to heal this. I don't know how to make it go away. I don't know how to fix it. I don't know what to do with it. And you might feel frustrated and you might feel depressed and you might feel like stumped. And that's just part of the human journey. There's nothing wrong with that. There's it, none of it's wrong. Yeah. It, it's all, it's all part of the journey of learning about yourself, loving yourself, accepting yourself. Yeah. So before this call, I actually had a little revelation as well. I was just reflecting on, um, you know, some of the healing that I had on my own personal journey had to do with like uh, a physical abnormality and like a defect that I felt that I had. And so it kind of led me down this path of like seeking out these alternative ways and also um, on a path of becoming my own healer. And also accepting myself just as I am and loving myself just as I am, just like what you were saying before. And ultimately, I think that is the human condition and the human experience and the human journey is to um, 
just accepting your love yourself first and foremost, no matter what, and everything else can be conditional. But like, this is the one thing that you can give to yourself whenever and always. And when you do that for yourself, you can also extend it to the rest of the world and help heal the world and help bring balance to this planet. And I think the reason why we're all suffering from a mental health issue or a physical issue or something or another and having these feelings of trust and overwhelm and sadness and grief is not only personal to us, but also because of the plight of our planet and how out of balance we've become. Yeah, it's collective. And, you know, that's where, you know, maybe not on your, I'm not sure your audience is familiar with the, the term, but light worker is one of the terms that, you know, people who get into energy healing, they start using that term, like, I'm a light worker, I'm here to heal the planet. And then what do they do instead of being out amongst people and having a human experience and working, healing it from the inside out, they sort of separate and divide themselves and put themselves out as better than and superior to humanity. You know, it's like, oh, I just can't tune that in. I've just got to keep my frequency high and like isolate myself and be in a freaking bubble away from humanity because they're so toxic. I just can't be around that. And in this moment, I mean, I've, I've been feeling for a while that that's not accurate. And now I really know that's not accurate because we're here, you know, if you really feel like you're here to bring the light and you're here to help people, how are you going to help people from your, from your judgmental bubble? telling them that they're too toxic for you to be around. How are you going to help humanity heal if you can't be around them and you can't stand them? Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, uh, I'm assuming the light workers are humans. So uh, well, they're in a human body right yeah. now. So that would qualify them to be human. Yeah. So I think there's just different levels of awareness. And if we do have this human body and the hum the concept of the human soul, if you believe in that and, all of that it's all part of the human experience you know you you can't have your own bubble like we're all here on this earth right now together and unfortunately you can't like fly away as far as i know to other planets or other spiritual planes um at the same time you can have contact with them perhaps but uh right now if you're like reincarnated on this earth in this body then this is what you have to work with yeah, this is what you have to work with. This is where you're here right now. That's kind of what I was pointing out to this other person. You know, it's like the spiritual journey is so beautiful in what it can offer us as a relief from the density of, of being a human being. And we need that relief, right? Like, like just like we're given other endorphins, right, to help us to feel better during the mess. Like, like if you go for a nice long run, you feel better. You, you elevate your endorphins. And elevating your endorphins helps you feel better while you're going through the stuff that's part of human consciousness, like the collective growth that we're all going through. But trying to avoid it or, or just like deny it or shame it or say it's just not even part of your experience, I think is denying and repressing a part of you. I actually had this really good teacher one time told, tell me that the best spiritual teachers are the ones that can place their arms around the entire human experience and not deny any of it is God. All of it is me. All of it is God. I am one with all of it. I am one with the beggar in the street. I am one with the murderer. I am one with the rapist. I am one with all people, the priest, the high priestess. I am one with all of it at the same time. It is me. And to do that takes courage because it, it takes admitting that you know, that that toxic experience happens inside of each one of us. The things that we say, oh, I would never do that. Somehow that experience lives within us too. And I think that mental health journey is actually a spiritual journey. I think it's the spiritual recognition um, that, you know, that there is pain in the human experience and that you're, you're part of that pain. It lives in your body. And it's, it's, you know, it's that breakdown. It's like you can't deny it anymore. You can't deny it. You have to deal with it. And so what? You start having like mental challenges, mental health issues. You, you start to become aware of things that are really sad and, and, and painful. And, and you know what? It, you let your heart crack open from it. You let yourself feel. And there's nothing wrong with feelings. Feelings are, are shunned in our society because people are afraid of feeling things. But feeling things is the only way we're going to heal. 
Yeah, absolutely. There's so much there that I kind of want to so, unpack it. <laughs> I got on a little tangent. <laughs> the endorphins uh, comment was so true. As scientists, as a scientific kind of oriented uh, Western medical practitioner, yes, we all recognize scientifically that endorphins are the feel-good hormones, and we have them endogenously accessible to us. So scientifically, we try to replace them with these, you know, SSRIs and other antidepressants that are going to, uh, you know, increase our levels of serotonin, dopamine, and norepinephrine. However, there are ways of activating that without relying on exogenous pharmaceuticals. Uh, look what's happening right now. People have cut off supply chains because of global crises. And now people really need their medications. Otherwise, they're going to have withdrawal symptoms. Another cheaper and more holistic approach would be to train our bodies to produce those same endorphins if we are on the lower end of the spectrum. So if you exercise, if you have a spiritual practice or meditation, that's been shown to elevate our endorphins. So, you know, I'm a proponent of preventative medicine and using the tools in our body and that are accessible to us without relying on somebody else to supply them for us. And I believe that we're designed to actually cope with these things on our own. And I also, when I mentioned that everybody's on a spectrum of mental health, nobody's like 100% healthy, you know, there's very varying degrees of health, right? So um, people that are diagnosed frequently with like schizophrenia, for example, they have hallucinations and visions, and this is due to a high dopamine level in their brains. So this is expressing as like these visions that they're having. And in other cultures, historically, these, are the, these were the people that had communication with plants and they became the medicine people and leaders of you know, their people. And they were the ones that originally like became the shamans. So different cultures really interpret mental health in different ways. And sometimes a blessing can be a curse. You know, somebody could view it as a blessing, other people can view it as a curse. So I think there can be a middle ground of honoring the little imperfect imperfections that we have and actually making them into useful things. I mean, I'm not saying every case of this is like this and some people do have dangerous hallucinations that can pose danger to them and other people. But I'm just saying this is something we can consider when treating the entire person and uh, you know, not trying to really control them, but trying to find the root of the issue and really help them understand themselves and heal their body. And we use plants and, and medications and drugs and illicit substances to have that same effect. We use psychedelic plants and we use LSD as the drug to kind of enhance our dopamine and have those uh, hallucinogen effect exogenously, right? So we actually try to mimic something that we pathologize to try to kind of get enlightened and connect with the spirit and, you know, have this beautiful uh, vision when we go on these journeys. And um, right now, science is studying microdosing with psychedelics, either mushrooms or LSD, as therapy. So I just think, you know, it's beautiful that science is embracing it, but also they're changing their mind a lot. Like one study says this, one study says that. So it's very hard to keep up with science and uh, often they will validate something after they condemn it. Yeah, that happens all the time. And that's why the indigenous people are so relaxed because they don't participate in science. <laughs> so they just know what they know and they pass it down generation to generation to generation. And, and they just know what they know. They listen to the plants. Listening to the plants is actually quite challenging from being human because they, um, they don't, your consciousness has to be open to hearing what the plants have to say. You know, you've got to be, you have to have a nice, really open pineal gland and really be listening with all your senses and, and have your mind really quiet so you can, you know, hear in the way that the plants communicate, you know? I mean, this is how um, the shamans in the jungle figured out, like, how to mix this plant with this plant with this plant to make ayahuasca. And any one of those things being wrong could kill people. So this is a, you know, this is where it's proof that they know how to listen to these plants and the, and the combinations of the plants that need to come together in order to have a healing effect, in order to have the desired effect to work with people. You know, and it, it's, it's also the intention, you know, I want to say too, 
is um, when you're able to listen to plants, you, you know the intention of those plants. You, they tell you the intention of the plant. Like for example, tobacco, a lot of people in this culture think tobacco is evil and it's a sin and it's gonna kill you and it causes cancer and all this kind of stuff. Well, yes, and indigenous people use it for clearing your energy field. They use it for healings. They use it as a protector spirit because they use it for prayers because it's a powerful medicine for prayer. And um, when it's used for, you know, a quick high or to get some nicotine, then you get punished by that because that's not how the plant is supposed to, it's not how it's supposed to be used. So I think that we have a lot to learn. I like that you said that about we're trying to recreate what nature is already doing. Yeah. I think, we, why don't we just pay attention to nature? Like, how about we just skip that whole trying to recreate and reinvent and just actually pay attention and listen to nature? and learn about it, there's enough to do just learning about all the plants in the jungle. That's a whole lifetime's inquiry. That's many lifetimes. You know, we have enough to learn without having to go reinvent the wheel. Yeah. What I personally feel. Even like the Bach flowers, like the, the, black, the Bach flower, essences. the essences, right? Like those essences are powerful. Like just that alone is a whole lifetime of inquiry into how to use these, these flowers and work with them for healing and, and a, a, a ascension. We don't need to create something new. We just need to understand what's already been provided to us. And that's, that's where I've come on my journey as I've realized because I used the essential oils at first and I started realizing, oh, my olfactory system, I can, I can lift myself to a higher vibration by smelling some of these olfactory you know, fragrances that help me to feel more soothed or help me to feel more vivacious or help me to, you know, cleanse and clear. These are all beautiful gifts that right from nature that helped me to restore myself along with the energy medicine, the spirit medicine, and then just sort of like the path of spirituality that we can all walk. I walk it with the earth. That's my my path. I I have opened to that now and and it's been there the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> been there the whole time, you know, I had to do is awake, awaken to it. You know, it was it's there the whole time for me. So I feel really grateful that I got awakened to this path, that I was courageous enough to, to take the journey. And that I said, you know what, I'm not going to keep taking these pills. They don't make me feel good. And I'm going to trust and have faith that on the other side of this spiritual healing and, and working with these flower essences and, and eating the right foods, food, diet, changing my diet, you know, helping my pineal gland, drinking plenty of water, like all these dietary lifestyle changes, I'm going to trust. And, and it has, it has lifted me. It has lifted me into a place where, you know, things that like the interaction I had right before this call, that would have normally, if that had happened to me 15 years ago, that would have spun me out for like a, a, a month or two. Like I would have just been so devastated by what just happened. But because of, and that was with all the psychotherapy. So, you know, yeah, but this now I was like, I got in five minutes later and I was like, okay, thank you. <laughs> I actually, I actually wrote a thank you note. Thank you for showing me what that feels like. Cause I, now I'm more in my humanity. I'm more in my heart now. And so thank you. Thank you for that experience. So I, I think we can, we can, I know that we can show up to all of life has to offer us in a whole nother way once we branch outside of sort of some of the set paradigms, which is why a lot of psychotherapists are stretching outside of psychotherapy now. Yeah, this really makes me think of the ego. So I think once yeah. we can step away from our own ego and really look at the big picture of like the planet and the universe and where we stand in all of this, we can kind of say, okay, like, that's really not the worst thing that could happen. It's okay. Let it roll off your back, you know, and just move on. Whereas if you are so focused that you can't see anything outside of yourself, then you will ruminate on that and you will let it overwhelm you. And unfortunately, like we're not really taught from growing up and living in a society that we do that uh, we should value the collective. Obviously, that would even sound communist, even the way I'm saying it, it sounds communist. But, you know, we've been taught, like, you're an individual, you have to work hard and get results and, you know, have things to show for it. And like, I, I, I is like the big thing. And I also think that's the reason why we're so arrogant that we want to extract the active ingredients of nature and copy them and improve them, improve on them and make them superior than nature. But unfortunately, I don't think that's panning out in our favor. 
It's well, we can see from our rate of illness in the Western medicine, Western culture consumes what 80% of the pharmaceuticals of the world. Yep. And we have our statistics on disease have just skyrocketed since 1962. I did a, a little just looking up the, the rates and, and I mean, it's just incredible the amount of money we spend on pharmaceuticals and the rate of disease we have in this country, things that they can't solve like autoimmune and other things. So yeah, when you start tampering around with mother nature, you, you get some consequences because she likes to be respected. So um, I recommend that you know we all start respecting mother nature and learning about her rather than trying to like change her or make her something else because we want to be all impressive in our egos. Yep. The other thing I wanted to say is like, even this glass of water, like this glass of water has been around the earth, what, seven times or something like this. Every ancestor on earth has drunk from this glass of water. Like that's water. We're in a closed system. We are in a collective, whether we want to be in the collective or not, we're in it. We can't escape the collective. Just like all you light workers, I love you, can't escape being human. Okay. Like you're in it, you're in it with all the rest of humanity at all their various levels of, of understanding. You're in it with them. You're not any better. You're right there with them. So yeah, I got yeah. that message so powerfully. So thank you. Thank you. Like, I love the lessons. I'm listening, you know. So I also want to kind of backtrack and find out your personal history. Um, so where is your background from? Where did you grow up? Um, where, you know, did you get educated? And after your first shamanic work that you mentioned, how did that affect you and maybe inspire you to study more things? And also, if you can talk about how that all related to the skills not filled movement. Oh yeah. So, well, so I started off not as a healer. <laughs> I started off as an artist and a high tech writer. So I worked in Silicon Valley in high tech. I was a technical communicator for 20 years um, as a, mostly as a consultant. And, uh, and then I had my awakening and I walked out of my marriage and I walked out of my life and I opened. And when I had that first healing, I said, okay, this powerful. I don't know what just happened, but whatever that is, I'm doing that. I'm going to learn how to do that. I'm going to do that for myself. And I'm going to learn how to do it for other people because, wow, I just, I felt like I just made the great discovery, you know, like, woohoo, things are different in 45 minutes. So, uh, so yeah, I studied at the Four Winds Light Body School, which is a school of Alberto Vialdo's creation. He traveled uh, South America and visited with indigenous and studied with indigenous um, people and he um, synthesized their teachings and their their um, practices into a body of work that he teaches as part of the uh, the four winds life bodies uh, school and that training also is um, derived from largely the Caro people in the Andes mountains so the little rainbow people they always wear the rainbow things and they're just so sweet they're really beautiful and high integrity hard-working people so um yeah so that's that and then I've studied lots of other shamanic programs I've studied with the power path which is Jose and Lena Stevens which is um really about um well it's learning how to claim your power you know and and walk with integrity with an open heart so that's really powerful teachings, also really hard to do. So I continue my trainings. I also, I studied so many other teachers. I could just have a long list because I'm just fascinated by the whole thing. Um, so why did I start? Um, and I'm never going to stop learning. Like, uh, just, yeah. I can't, you know, I want to keep learning and growing. So I, will, I keep putting myself out there. Um, Skills Not Pills movement, I started because, well, in all honesty, um, I felt like nobody listened to me. Like, I felt like people really didn't listen to me or didn't value what I had to say because I'm a person that has been diagnosed, you know, bipolar and mm -hmm. borderline personality and stuff. So nobody's going to listen to me. So um, I'm also really well educated. You know, I went to an Ivy League school. I have a really good education and a really good mind. Um, but I still, I felt like nobody was going to listen to me on this new thing. And I got with these coaches and they said, oh, you should start a movement. And so I was like, oh, what should that movement be? And so we were in, I was in a group mentoring program. We were in the conversation of what should, you know, what movement would carry on bird start, you know, that anybody <laughs> would listen to. And, uh, and, and the, uh, the last day I woke up 
from this really tumultuous sleep, like those sleeps where you know you've been processing and working and really working hard on it. And I woke up in the morning and I started just taking notes and writing all these things. And all of a sudden I was like, well, it's skills, not pills. And all the, the light bulb went off and all of my friends were like, yes, it's skills, not pills. And we all were getting goosebumps and chills and everything like that. So that's why I did it. Cause it just felt like, yeah, cause that's been the story of my journey is, is, is not about a quick fix. It, none of my journey has been a quick fix. It's all been like in the trenches, sorting it out week after week, trying to find a solution, trying to understand it, trying to do my best. There is no, there's no pill to fix that. It's life. It's skills. Skills is what has saved my sanity is practicing my skills. Like I practiced before I got on this call, you know, I practice my skills I go into my heart. Don't, you know, don't go into your ego, go into your heart. Okay. Breathe, breathe. This is here for you. That's right. It's here for me. Why is it here for me? Deep breathing. I'm going to accept this as it is. I love myself. It's okay. Compassion. And because I practiced that for myself for so many years, my heart opens when I do that. I go in that space. The tears come and I go, okay, I'm in my heart again. Why did it happen for me? And I get the answer. And it stings sometimes. Like it stung before this call. It stung because I had to admit that I've been a bit spiritually arrogant, right? Trying to feel better than everybody else because I didn't feel so good or so important before. I had to face that music. And it was a bitter pill, but, you know, I'm grateful for it. It's making me more of a human in this conversation, isn't it? So I say thank you. <laughs> right? Thank yeah. you, spirit. Yeah. I think what you mentioned before about being one with everyone, no matter where they are in life and on this path and what choices they've been making. And that's the same kind of thing where we are all each other's mirrors and we reflect our best and worst qualities on one another. And we are all capable of the best and the worst. And it's our job to kind of navigate that and choose the kind of actions and thoughts and feelings and emotions that we let enter us. Yeah, exactly. And to say that if it caught your attention, it is for you. There's no projecting it out or deflecting or saying you made me feel this way. That's victim consciousness. Nobody makes anybody feel anything. She didn't make me feel that way. I felt that way. And I felt that way because there was a resonance in me and I needed that message. I needed that teaching so I could be even better to reach people's hearts and do what I came here to do. I know we all feel the same. There's so many of us feel like, you know what? I want to make this world a better place and I haven't lost track of that. I know every little kid shows up, has that earnest, like, yeah. look in their eyes, right? And then somewhere along the way, it gets dull and, and dried out because it's like, well, I, maybe I can't. But there's enough of us now that see this glimmer of hope, and we haven't lost it. We haven't lost it. We're not giving up on ourselves, and we're not giving up on this planet. So you yeah. got to do what you got to do. You got to face some tough stuff, right? Absolutely. There's several ways to kind of go about and live life. So the first is just uh, doing something for the money, let's say, you know, just to fill your belly with food. So you exchange your services or labors or work and get paid by an employer so you can have the money to live a life that you want. Um, and, you know, you are giving nothing emotionally to the job and you're not behind the job or you physically are present at the job and you know what you're doing and but it's only physical like your mental state is still not there so like you're aware of what you're doing but you're still not giving it your all because you don't really care about it and then the third way is you actually choose a vocation and a calling irregardless of the money and you just uh, keep doing it and keep going for it and fake it till you make it. <laughs> and uh, eventually a lot of the people who don't get give up, which is the hardest part not to give up, but eventually some door will open and to give you a crack at something. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, so yeah, you start doing it. I, for me, I started being a healer and that's not like a, um, you know, normal thing, I guess. <laughs> Nine years ago, anyway, it's kind of it's got a lot more prevalent now. But um, 
but yeah, when I started, I was going to BNI meetings, you know, business networking, international meetings, mm -hmm. <laughs> right, right next to the, the, the real estate agent and the, you know, the insurance agent. And I'm like, yeah, and I do healings. And people are like, what is she talking about? You know, <laughs> 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 who is this crazy person in this meeting? And I just, you know, I just went and, and some people dropped off the fence and they said, okay, I'll try it out. And then they came back and gave me a testimonial. And that's how I got my start. I got my start because I followed my heart and I said, you know what, this is calling to me. I believe in this. I know it's true. I've experienced it myself. I want to, I want to live in this world where, where this magic happens and I want to share it with other people. And so I just kept following that. Even if people looked at me kind of weird, you know, like I had a couple heads, <laughs> I just kept doing it. <laughs> So uh, tell us a little bit about how that Skills Not Pills movement worked, like what was the movement all about? Um, number two, how did you structure your business? And number three, about uh, your books that you have authored. Yeah, so Skills Not Pills, I did a summit. I interviewed a bunch of people for like uh, all the days in May, so that's 31 days, I think. Uh, a couple years ago and I interviewed all kinds of people to just share their perspectives like professional people people with degrees psychiatry holistic psychiatrists just like anybody I could get to to do an interview with me and just talk about this concept right and talk about their personal experience of it and the importance of skills and what skills would they recommend and so I asked everybody to share skills like please share three skills that you have that you know you share with your clients that would help anybody listening cope with whatever it is that they're going through so I had people with autoimmune immune disorder come on and talk about that and healing from cancer um, holistically and like just all kinds of things so um, those are still recorded and that's you know those are available to watch um, at the skills not pills movement uh, Facebook page as well as um, the uh, the website so that's an ongoing thing I put it aside for a little while because I realized nobody was listening to it anymore because I think you know, it's the energy that you hold something, as we've talked about throughout this entire broadcast. <laughs> it's the energy that you hold something with. It's your underlying intent or your underlying perspective that um, either invites people to the conversation or repels them from it. So, like, I was feeling, you know, very um, defensive, right? Because I wanted to be seen as an expert. So there were people that watched the the series and they got a lot from it. But that uh, that energy is is you know, it's sort of like I have to be right. Mm -hmm. So the intention was beautiful, but the energy wasn't where it needed to be. And I finally realized that and I stopped putting my energy there because I needed to change before I could bring that message really strongly. Mm -hmm. So my perspective on it is totally different now because I see that people are where they're at in their journey and there's nothing wrong. You're not doing anything wrong by taking a pill. You're not wrong. You're, not, you're just on a journey of trying to understand what works for you and what doesn't work for you. All I want to do now is open people to more options, more things to explore, more discovery, and, and to invite this idea about curiosity, you know, to be curious about other options and things that you might not have even realized could be helpful, like meditating or the difference that it could be to, to have to have carrot juice or something, you know, like, I mean, there's so many little things that could make a huge difference. So I just invite people to that um, for a curious exploration now. It's a whole different energy. So I've gotten the download that that will pick back up again from this new place, right? The, from me being, um, you know, for not being about me, it's about opening a conversation. So, so that's, that's one thing for anybody wanting to start that kind of thing is like, what space are you doing it from? You know, why do you want to do it? Um, what's your intention and, and where are you personally with it? Because I think a lot of thought leaders, they start movements because they want, they want respect. You know, they want people to go, oh, this person did this, so therefore, like, super respectful. But it's just sort of a farce in a way until, you know, just put your heart out there. You'll get a lot further than trying to do that. So that's what I recommend about that because the way I did it, the way that all the coaches told me, it was a lot of work, but it, and it did get me some credibility, but it's not, you know, it didn't nearly make the impact that it could have made, I think, if I had just come from my heart. Mm -hmm. So um, in terms of my books, um, my first book is really great for anybody who's sort of maybe thinking they're at the beginning or in the early process of a spiritual awakening and like, this is gross and ucky and I don't know what to do. Um, my book is reassuring because you see me in my dark spots, you know, <laughs> like the bottom of the tunnel and then walking back up the, the mountain, you know, and kind of coming into my own, my own sense of personal space and personal love and power. And um, so that's called Awakening to Me, One Woman's Journey to Self-Love. And I wrote it 
in process over the course of two years in my early part of my journey, which was really tough work. So I was called to be super honest, vulnerable, and transparent and put it all in there. And I did, even though I didn't want to do it. I did it. So hopefully it helps. Um, my latest book is called The Second Wave, and that's a channeled book. And uh, what that just means is I opened to my higher aspect. Bless you. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to sneeze. I just had to put it on mute. Um, I, I opened to my higher aspect. I call White Eagle. And I just opened to that aspect of me and, um, and with my heart and just channeled words. Um, it's the same aspect that comes in when I do healing work with people. When I do healings and this aspect comes in and I just kind of step aside and allow this healing energies to come through. Um, so that same aspect, I just open to hear messages for people. And, um, and I downloaded this book and it uses a lot of my personal experience. But the experience it talks about is collective as, you, as we talk about. It, it's, people read the book and they go, my God, that's exactly how I've been feeling. You just put it into words. Like I've been thinking those thoughts and feeling those feelings. I just didn't know how to say it. And here I'm reading it and it's such great validation. So for anybody who's felt really called to purpose or like, hey, I'm here for a big change in the world, that book often resonates for, for people in that situation. And it's, it's just, it's nice, you know, because you don't feel so alone. Yeah. Thank you. I resonate you. a lot of what you're saying. And uh, thank you so much for sharing with the vulnerable parts of the story and all parts of the story. And especially with um, what space you're coming from when you're starting a business and or putting your messages out there and the results and the outcomes that you can expect uh, with those different frequencies. I've, you know, I've become all too aware of that myself. And I also think that I've started my journey from very much egocentric and trying to make a difference to make myself feel good about myself. But now I more and more just, you know, the message is really more important. It's not about like how much money or fame it gets you. It's really about you genuinely wanting to help people and get the message out there. And the passion really does show through and people are more receptive to it when you're not defensive and they're not going to be defensive back. So when you're yeah, exactly. from open heart and you're just sharing with the air of curiosity, like you were saying, and like just genuine um, care, people feel that and then they're going to be responsive and much more um, drawn towards that energy. Yeah. And they don't feel like they're being sold a bill of goods, you know, because there's this thing called suspicion that runs really deep, you know, in the human consciousness. Cause you know, let's just face it. There's been some stuff not to trust, right? There's been, and all this information wars and everything we're seeing right now on Facebook is just sort of like the, um, the revealing of that pattern of not being able to trust the information that you're having or trust yourself or trust what somebody else is saying or, you know, it's like, well, what is, like you said, like, like the, in uh, all the testing like that the government or the, <clears throat> these uh, science bodies will like change their mind, like in one day, you know, like, well, it's good for you. Oh, wait a second. It's not good for you. Oh, it's here. Oh no, it is like, it is there. And like, who do you, who do you trust? How do you, you know, how do you navigate that? So, so yeah, the energy that you show up with and, and, and not pretending to have all the answers. It's like, probably the most honest thing you could do is to just say, you know what, this worked for me. I invite you to it. And if it doesn't work for you, well, try something else, but at least you have curiosity. You know? yeah, absolutely. And I'll definitely include the books in the show notes with uh, links to them. And I'm interested in reading them myself. You really sold them to me. <laughs> oh, well, great. <laughs> um, I also wanted to bring up another point that you were making before about, um, tapping into the wisdom of the plants and the natural world that can offer us healing through uh, channeling them, whether by physically ingesting them or using the aromatic essential oils and smelling them or using the flower essences. And so my own experience has been that exactly, you can use plants in so many ways. Um, and the essential oil, for example, part of it uses a lot of plant material. So they're actually like very, very potent and you need very, very little of, of the oil to have an effect um, because you also want to honor like how many plants went into there and all the oils, like I said, are very, very potent. So they're strong. So you don't want to just overuse them because that is already turning into like an allopathic Western model where we, we use 
extracts and drugs. So the oils are actually the closest to extracts that the natural um, plant world offers. The next level is using herbs as you know teas or tinctures. So you um, would actually collect the plants and process them. So you wouldn't need as many plants as for essential oils. So it's a much um, more sustainable way of using the medicine and there could be very profound effects. Then the next level, as you mentioned, are the flower essences. So in here, we don't actually even need to even take much material from the flowers. Sometimes you can make the flower essence with the flowers still attached to the tree or wherever it's growing, the shrub or the little flower growing from the ground. Or if you are to pick the flower, you re really only need very, very little plant material. And once you meditate and create the flower essence based on the vibrations, you can actually dilute those out two or three times from the mother essence into the stock bottle and then into the dosage bottle. So really one flower head can go such a long way for this kind of medicine. And like you were saying, it can have very profound shifts in perception and healing can happen on like a very energetic level, which will uh, rain down into your uh, physical body and bring more of a physical health aspect as well. Yeah, and exactly. And the only thing I would add on to that, thank you for what a beautiful clinical description because that was totally <laughs> accurate, is um, the thing I'll add is I've had experience with um, plants where I was in an altered state of consciousness with them and I became aware that the plants actually, um, the spirit of the plant can work with you up and in actually <clears throat> partially into your energy body. So not all the way in, but partially into your energy body, sort of in like kind of send a signal in to your energy body. So whether you've ever worked with a plant or not, any you can call on any plant to be with you, tobacco, wherever, any plant. Um, I often work with ayahuasca in my healing cer ceremonies because I've, I've ingested it. So it's in my physical body and it permeates in through my aura. So when you have it, when you physically ingest a plant, then you actually have that plant from your physical uh, matrix all the way out through your energetic body. Mm -hmm. So you've got a complete immersion and uh, rewiring of matrix with that plant, certain medicine plants in particular. So tobacco is one of those plants. I, I did a, t a dieta in the jungle where mm -hmm. um, you drink tobacco juice. And so I drank tobacco juice for an entire week and uh, meditated with the plant and learned from the plant. And uh, this is part of what I'm, what I'm sharing is what I learned from the plant and then also other messages that other people I've worked with the plant also shared in community. Um, this plant can actually create like a very protective matrix around your whole body, you know? So those of you who feel sort of intrusive energies from other people or, you know, like somehow um, you're, you don't have the power to sustain your energy field or something like that, the tobacco is like just eliminates that. It's like just, you know, so nothing's ever getting in that I don't want in. You know what I'm saying? So it's just, um, it's a powerful feeling to walk around with that strength, you know, and then, and then not only that, but it's, it's like integrated with your consciousness. So you can actually just like say um, something uncomfortable is happening. You could say tobacco, I need support with that feeling right there. And then it just, you know, so it just takes care of that. You know, it's kind of miraculous. So just just realize that I just wanted to add that level because a lot of people don't get to that place because it's very um, radical what I did. You know, most people don't go to the jungle into right. a hut and drink tobacco juice, just not a common experience. But if you want to, I know how to do that. <laughs> but it's very interesting to think about even with your at home, even with your lavender, Mm -hmm. Let's just say lavender because everybody loves lavender. You smell the lavender and you, you could even say, dear spirit of lavender, I welcome you into my vessel. I welcome you in to support me in soothing and calming myself. I welcome you to share any reflections to me about what it is that's causing me distress that's keeping me from being calm. And so I'm going to put a little drop in my pitcher and take a little sip or whatever, you know, whatever your dosage is. And as, as the water goes down and the lavender goes down, you just go, ah, oh, okay. And then you meditate and you see like, what is lavender going to tell you about yourself? All of the plants work that way. You just have to be open to it. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for mentioning that aspect. And I agree with you that this is like one of the most esoteric aspects that the plant- It's totally esoteric. Offers. Yeah, and a lot of people listening may be like, what are they talking about? Now it got like really crazy just now. I'm starting to doubt everything. There we go, the skeptic. But it's true, and I've heard this from many, many herbalists and many people that work with the plants. And uh, tobacco in particular, I mean, there's a reason that we intuitively reach for the cigarette and get addicted to cigarettes. So it's because it does offer us this grounding energy and this protection energy makes us like feel very calm and in control and centered. So we, that plant tobacco is what is giving the cigarette this power over us. And because we're abusing it and burning it and combining with all these other things, that is disrespecting the plant like you were mentioning before and we're not using it ceremonially or with intention we're just using it you know because we are in the habit of doing so and so um even though it has these magical beautiful uses we don't appreciate it and don't use it the way it's supposed to be with reverence and respect so that's that's the best and it, yeah and it is it's strong it's one of the strongest plant teachers there is so tobacco will have your number if you do that so i would just recommend if you want to work with tobacco and you feel more grounded with tobacco you know um don't don't inhale it you know and don't use cigarettes because cigarettes are they got all the nicotine and all this other stuff in there that's, that's man-made and we don't we, we don't need that so just you know just um you could even pray with it if you have an um a non preformed cigarette you know if you rolled your own or something and then just kind of blow the prayers out you blow it out you don't inhale it you just take the smoke right. and blow it with prayers and then you could just have a little dish on your altar or someplace in your home like you just you could just even use chewing tobacco and ask the tobacco to suck up all the negative energy around you i mean it will do that it's it's just all of this stuff this esoteric stuff here's what i recommend curiosity and try it yeah period absolutely don't don't take my word for it like curiosity and just go try it and see what happens it it's an experiment to just notice if you feel different if anything changes or you just like oh it didn't do anything yeah whatever is fine i think most people walking around um are very aware of their physical presence and physical body and very comfortable with physical processes like having to eat food, having to avoid the food, you know, eat, turning to either drugs or plants if you want to fix something or change something about the way you're feeling. So we, it makes sense to us to, for them to work on a physical body with physical receptors, you know, very logical things. But when it comes to this esoteric spiritual work, it's kind of invisible, so you can't really see it. But it doesn't mean that it's not happening. And the plants, like you were saying, um, they are operating on a much slower plane than us. And that's why it's so hard for us to tap in and like speak to them and talk to them or listen to them. So uh, the way to kind of, uh, you know, start to get yourself to experience that is by slowing your mind down. And that with meditation or um, breath work or just being out in nature or being in solitude, those are all ways to create that space and to, to create that slowing down where you can actually start to um, realize things that you never noticed before because you're actually slowing down and being aware and letting yourself be open for these, the, these like receiving messages. And so when we're working with flower essences or just by imagining the spirit of the plant, we're really doing the same thing. We're just calling in the energy and the healing medicine that the physical plant has, but we're just accepting it on another level. Yeah, and it's definitely not going to happen from your beta mind. So if you're thinking, you're not getting it. <laughs> so you have to kind of, you have to get yourself into alpha or theta state to work with the plants because you're not going to get it from beta. Yeah. All right. So we're coming to the end of the interview. I want to thank you so much for sharing. I'm going to have all the links in the show notes about all the wonderful work that you've been doing. And if you just have a couple minutes, I have some rapid fire questions. Yeah, sure. Okay. What's the number one thing listeners can do right now to improve their quality of life? Find whatever way you can to get your brain into alpha or theta states <laughs> every day. Like it. <laughs> Okay, number two, uh, what's your favorite beverage to drink? My favorite beverage right now is kombucha. I really like kombucha. It helps me process my digestive system and clear out 
you know, some of the toxic energies that I pick up as a healer. Okay. And uh, finally, what is your favorite pastime or hobby? My favorite pastime is painting. And I haven't given myself space for that because I've been so dedicated for my spiritual path and being in purpose and charging forward, you know, <laughs> but I like to do art. It's fun. Awesome. Well, I hope you give yourself space for that and all yeah. the joyful things. And I hope that we keep in touch and uh, I wish you luck on your work and, you know, all the goodness. Thank you so much. I appreciate being on the show and I hope it was illuminating to your audience. Definitely. It was very illuminating to me. So yeah, I hope they like it. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Raw Fork Podcast. And I truly hope you enjoyed the show. If you learned something new from it, I would really appreciate if you can give us a five-star rating and a sincere review so that more people can find it across the podcast platforms. To get in touch with me, please go on rawfork.com or email me directly at marina at rawfork.com. Take good care and I'll see you back here next week.